This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs.
was amazing. Thank you for that wonderful truth. 1 Timothy chapter 6 will provide the foundation for our thoughts today. And let's just allow God to, um, to speak to us. 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, verse 17. We'll be looking at uh, two, three, four verses there. Let's just... Um, Let's just call a time out and come to our Father once again. Lord, we're going to open your word. These are divine truths coming from human lips. And uh, Father, sometimes uh, just doesn't come out right. But pray that you would enable me to speak what I feel like you've laid on my heart. And I just ask that your word would be powerful. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Today uh, we begin a new sermon series entitled, Being Rich Without Being Wealthy. And over the next three weeks or so, we, we're going to find out what it means to be rich in what really matters. When we think of being rich, we automatically think of having a lot of money. But God's Word talks about being rich, but it's, it's referring to other things besides money. Now, just to let you know, I'll be drawing from different resources throughout this series. Of course, God's Word will be our number one resource, but Andy Stanley also wrote a book entitled How to Be Rich. It's not what you have, it's what you do with what you have, and he's got some great points there that I'll be um, extracting from his book, but then there will be some other resources along the way as well. Now, if, if you think that this is going to be a light-hearted, flippant series, kind of a fun series, uh, you know what, as, as I've been working on this uh, for the last couple of weeks, it's already been very convicting to me, and, and I have a feeling that it's going to be a little bit painful for most of all. So don't, don't think that we're just going to be laughing and uh, we'll go out of here just slapping each other on the back, and, and hopefully we'll do some of that, but... I believe that God is going to maybe get to just some core issues that some of us struggle with a lot. A couple of questions, and then we'll dive into some teaching from the Bible. Uh, maybe just a couple of fun questions. First question, do you know somebody who is rich? If, uh, and I'm referring to the world's definition of rich, uh, somebody that's worth a lot of money. Do not point at them this morning, but if you know someone who, from at least your perspective, is rich, just raise your hand, okay? You know somebody that's rich, and, and probably most of us do. And, and by the way, just for your information, you know, a, a week and a half ago, on the opposite side of the spectrum, on the side of, uh, of those whom we would not call rich, the Federal Reserve did a study involving 50,000 people, and, and they, they gave something that to me was kind of shocking. They said 46% of Americans could not cover a $400 emergency from their savings. So if that's you, you can at least take comfort from the fact that you're not alone. Almost half of Americans are in, in the same boat. Anyway, back to our original question. Do you know someone who is rich? Second question, how many of you here today are filthy mega rich? Raise your hands. Okay, we've got a couple there, two or three. Um, you, you know what? I, I, I find it a bit interesting that almost everybody wants to be rich. 
Yet most people, if and when they do arrive at, at riches, they're embarrassed to admit it. Second observation is this, that almost every one of us here has a different definition of rich. I mean, where exactly is the, if I could just call it the quote-unquote rich line? I mean, what is the exact amount that you have to have to be considered rich? Is it a certain dollar amount where you slowly save towards it and it accumulates in one day, one week you get your paycheck and you deposit the money and it puts you over the rich line and you say, woohoo, I'm rich, I got there finally. Is that the way it works? I don't think so. Because what I found is that the quote-unquote rich line keeps on moving. Gallup did a study and asked different people at, at, at different wages. They said, how much would you need to earn to be rich? And, and they asked a group of people who made $30,000 a year. And, and the average response was, well, if I could just make $74,000 a year, I would be rich. Well, then Gallup asked those who made $50,000 a year, how much do you need to be rich? And the average response was $100,000 a year. Now, there are probably a few of you here today that your household income might be in that range, but, but I seriously doubt that any of you that earn $100,000 per year would consider yourselves rich. Um, well, Gallup then kept up, and they asked those who made over $200,000 a year, how much in assets would you need to be rich? And do you know what the average response was? $5 million. Now, probably all of us here this morning would say, duh, if I had $5 million, I would consider myself rich. In fact, if I would lower that amount to $1 million, most of us here today who are not close to having $1 million in assets, hello, most of us, let me repeat that again, most of us here today who are not close to having $1 million in assets would probably say, well, if I just had a million dollars, I would consider myself rich. But again, what is funny is if you would ask those people who are worth a million dollars, are you rich? I almost guarantee you that very few of them would feel that they were rich. I mean, with the economy the way it is, with the stock market so unstable, you can lose a third of your wealth just like that. And then one accident or a health crisis can devastate you financially. And then they say that the average kid costs nearly $250,000. You will find that most people with $1 million in assets do not feel that that amount crosses the rich line. So what we want to do over the next few weeks is study this matter. And, and hopefully with God's help, we will wake up and realize that most people if not all of us, have already crossed the rich line. Because God has blessed us with more than what we need. So therefore, hang on to this. When we have more than what we need, we are rich. Now to build a foundation for this series, I want us to look at First Timothy chapter Chapter 6, verse 17. You've got your Bibles open to it. And the Apostle Paul is giving some advice to younger Timothy. And it contains some of the most powerful insight on what riches really consist of. 
This is what Paul told young Timothy. Verse 17. Tell those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which will soon be gone. Now, let me just stop a minute before we finish. Paul is saying, Timothy, tell those who are rich not to be proud. And and I don't know if you know of any rich people who come across as arrogant and proud. and, And I probably know of a few. But honestly, and this is the truth, most of the people that I consider to be rich are very humble. They're hardworking. They're down to earth. They're godly people. But, but there are a few that, that, that probably have an air about them and you, you leave there saying, well, they think they're better than the rest of us. And, and I was thinking about that this week. I think I can understand why some rich people might have a tendency to be a bit aloof. And, you know, most of them have worked hard. They've taken financial risks. They've lived beneath their means. They've subjected themselves to a lot more stress and a lot more criticism. And by the way, riches tends to isolate you from people. And, and so when they've been financially successful after going through that, I think it would be very easy for them to feel that they're somewhat entitled to special privileges. But, but scriptures tell us to warn those rich people not to be arrogant. And then it goes on and says, but their trust should be in the living God who richly gives us. And uh, again, I want to stop here. Who's the one who gives riches? God. In other words, you may have worked hard. Yes, you may have lived beneath your means. Yes, you may have invested well. Yes, you may have a better business head than most of us. But ultimately, you have to recognize that everything you have is a gift from God. If you have a good business head on you, it's still a gift from God. It comes from God. And I read a powerful statement, and I don't think that's in your bulletin. You might want to write this down, but every blessing that we don't turn back to praise has the potential to turn into pride. Now, let me say it again. Every blessing that we don't turn back to praise has the potential to turn into pride. So the question is, how do you handle your blessings? Do you think that they've come to you because you work harder and smarter? Or do you recognize them as coming from God? So anyway, their trust should be in the living God who richly gives us all we need for what? For our enjoyment. God gives us blessings for our enjoyment. But but notice the scripture goes on. Most of us like to stop reading there and say, there is the proof. God says that what I have is to be used on me, myself, and I just for my enjoyment. So I can buy more and more toys just for me. That's part of it. But it goes on, and most people don't like this. Verse 18, tell them to use their money to do good. And listen to this. They should be rich in good works. How are they to be rich? In good works or good deeds. And don't forget this part of the scripture. And should give generously to those in need. Ouch. Always being ready to share with others what God has given them. Ouch. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of real life. 
So how do you store up treasures for your future? By generously sharing with those in need. Wow, what an incredible scripture. Frankly, we need about five hours this morning for our lesson. But you'll be glad to know that uh, since there's too much meat for us to consume in one lesson, we're going to tackle part of this today and then come back to this next week. Okay, as we flesh out today's lesson, I want to give you some good news and then some bad news. And then we'll go to Sunday school. Who wants the good news first? Who wants the bad news first? Well, we're going to go with the good news first uh, because that's the way it is in my notes. Um, And this news is so good, you have no idea how good it is. You want to hear some really good news? I mean, can you show me some excitement for some good news? All right, here's the good news and write it down. Good news is you are rich. Write it down. You are rich. And you need to realize it. As Americans, we are rich. Every one of us, we have rich people opportunities. For example, if you have kids, your kids have so many rich people opportunities. You can expose them to a million different activities. They can play sports. They can learn music. They can study every possible subject known to mankind. They can get their teeth straightened. They can even get their hair straightened. Or they can make their straight hair curly. And then we as rich people, we have access to medical care. We have clinics, urgent care centers, hospitals, intensive care units. We have bone specialists. We have heart specialists. We have cancer specialists. We have eye specialists. We have ear, throat, nose specialists. We we have pharmacists. We have dentists. You name it. We have rich people opportunities to medical care and then we have rich people access to movies and books from from paper books to iBooks to cd books to books on tablets books in libraries books from bookstores and then we have access to so many things that most people only read about we can hunt we can fish do you realize a good part of the world does not have that opportunity you know we can play golf We can go to professional or college sports. We can camp in nice air-conditioned campers with bathrooms and kitchens and comfortable beds. We can rough it smoothly. We can play with jet skis and four-wheelers and muleys and bass boats and go skiing in Colorado and go skiing on Stockton Lake. And then we can go on cruises on these floating cities to the Caribbean or to Alaska. Or we can enjoy experiences in Branson... Or at Steal Your Dollar City. And and we can continually stay up to date with events around the world with the latest model of our smartphone that's just been released. We have rich people opportunities. And that's incredibly good news. Would you say, thank you, Jesus? But in this good news, don't ever forget who makes this possible. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, said this in Ecclesiastes 5.19. Moreover, when God gives any man wealth and possessions and enables him to enjoy them and accept his lot and be happy in his work, this is a gift of God. You know, this, this verse, I mean, we could have a whole message on this as well. God is the one who gives you wealth and possessions. 
And then Solomon went on to say that if you happen to come to the point to where you enjoy your possessions and enjoy your work, and most people don't, they don't enjoy their possessions because, you know, we're wanting more and more. We can't enjoy what we have. And, and then most people, if I would ask you, do you like your work? You'd say, I hate my work. I can hardly wait to retire. But if you ever, ever arrived to that point, Solomon calls this a gift from God. And so every single one of you, I want you to internalize it. I want you to believe it. I want you to let it soak into your heart and understand in your mind, you are rich. Now, because I know human nature, I know some of you are pushing back and you're thinking, well, you may be rich, Pastor, but I'm not. Well, if that's your attitude, then get comfortable because we're not going home until you understand that you're rich. In fact, let me give you two statistics. If you make $33,000 as a combined household income or more, you're in the top 1% of wage earners in this world. Not in the U.S., it's different in the U.S. But in this world, you are a one percenter if you make at least $33,000 or more. You say, well, our household income is not $33,000. And I understand that many of you may be closer to the wage bracket of fifteen dollars to $20,000 or whatever. If that's the case, then that would drop you way down to where you're probably only in the top 2% of wage earners in the entire world. But then, if you as a household happen to earn $80,000 a year or more, and some of you do, do you realize you are in the top one-tenth of one percent of wage earners in the entire world? That's how crazy rich you are. Now, I, I want to be sensitive when I say that we're all rich, because I know that there are those of you that have significant financial challenges right now. You're racked with medical bills. You don't know how you're going to climb out. Some of you are not employed right now. It's stressful to you. There's some single parents that are working multiple jobs trying to feed kids and buy clothes. It's, it's very, very difficult for you. And, and I want to be understanding and, and, and sensitive and acknowledge the difficult times that you're going through. But let's still be honest. Most of you who might be pushing back a little bit and say, well, I'm not rich. You're, you're going to drive home in your air-conditioned car to your climate-controlled home. And you will park your carcass in a comfortable recliner. And with one eye, you will watch television where you have access to 200 different channels. And with the other eye, you will direct your attention to your smartphone that automatically connects to your Wi-Fi where you will immediately see pictures of what your friends had for breakfast and what they're doing right now. I'm telling you, you're rich. In fact, when people from developing countries, and we used to call them the third world countries, and now they've kind of reclassified them into developing countries, but uh, which would be about 3 billion people or nearly half of the world's population, when they talk about rich people, this is what they say. Are you ready? They say rich people own cars. And by the way, if you own a car, you're in the top 3% of the wealthiest people alive. And furthermore, those 3 billion people would say, some of the rich people are so rich they have an extra car. They have one for him and one for her. And then some of them are so rich, you're not going to believe it. They have houses for their cars. They call them garages. And these three billion people will continue describing rich people and say, they're so rich they drive 
over a hundred miles just to go to a restaurant because it's got that dippy bread and oil that they love so much. Just to dip the bread in the oil. And then at that restaurant, they will order three meals. The first one's called an appetizer. The second one is called a main course. The third one is called dessert. And when they finish and make that two-hour drive back home, they will walk into their houses, and some of them will have closets that you can actually walk into. And many of their homes have a his closet and then a hers closet. And almost all of the closets are two stories. There's a lower story and there's an upper story. You You know what I mean. And again, these three billion people would say, these rich people look at all the clothes in these closets. They're so rich, they say, I can't find anything to wear. That's how rich we are. But again, I understand that most of us here today don't feel rich. You know, because we're in debt. It's a struggle to pay bills. And our car is about on its last mile and our dryer has about dried its last load. And our refrigerator is starting to act up. And our cell phone is nearly a year and a half old. And the ambulance ride of six blocks to the hospital that cost $2,800 is now needing to be paid. And so we don't feel rich. But don't forget, from the world's perspective, we are rich. God has blessed us beyond measure. So what I want us to do this morning is don't shout it out. Don't be the weird guy. Just say it kind of in a normal voice. I'm rich. Can can we do that Uh, just on the count of three? I'm rich. One, two, three. I'm rich. I'm rich. Say it again. I'm rich. But the truth is that many of you still don't believe it. And some of you are still even embarrassed to say it. Which is really odd if you think about it. What other blessing from God... If we truly believe that wealth comes from God, and I think we've established that, what other blessing from God do we apologize for? I mean, think about it. If I've got a good marriage and someone says, man, Joe, you and Faith have a good marriage, I wouldn't pretend like we don't. And I wouldn't go, well, no, we're just faking it. I mean, she drives me crazy. and No, I, I wouldn't pretend that our marriage stinks. Uh, I would just say, thank you. It's a blessing from God. Or if you complimented me on my health and said, man, Joe, you really seem to be in good health. And I wouldn't make up all kinds of aches and pains. And man, you don't even know I've got so many aches and pains and so many things wrong with me. You don't even want to know. I wouldn't pretend that. Or if you said, Joe, you really seem to be physically fit. And if I were, I wouldn't say, well, you ought to see me with my shirt off. Nothing but flab, flab, flab. And, and I'm not going to do that to you. No show and tell today. Just the tell part. I know you're very grateful for that. You know, but... If you say that to me, if I were in shape, I'd just say thank you. But but when someone says, hey, I like your new car, what do we say? Well, we kind of hang our head and apologize. And what do we say? Well, I got a good deal on it. You know what I'm talking about there? I got a good deal on it. Or someone compliments your, your new outfit and, and you feel like you've got to apologize for it. Say, yeah, I, I, I got it on sale. You know, there almost seems to be a sense of embarrassment or shame from something that is really a blessing from God. So today, before we get to the bad news, we had some bad news to cover here a little bit, but two things I want to get across. First, I want you to quit feeling guilty if God has blessed you. You know, if you're blessed with financial means, don't apologize for it. 
If God has blessed you with the ability to make money, don't apologize for it. It's a gift from God. Don't flaunt it. Don't be arrogant. But don't apologize. It's a gift from God. And then secondly, if God has blessed you with more than what you need, what did we say early on? You're rich. If you have more than what you need, you're rich. That's the good news. Now for the bad news. And I can't tell you how bad this news really is. It's actually one of the greatest challenges that you will have to overcome to be a committed follower of Jesus Christ. Ready for the bad news? The good news is you're rich. But the bad news is you're rich. Did you catch that? Good news is you're rich, but the bad news is you're rich. Because being rich is one of the greatest spiritual disadvantages that you can ever have. It lessens your chance of making it to heaven. Did you catch that? Being rich. And of course, we've already established that we're all rich. But being rich lessens our chances of going to heaven. In fact, in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus encountered a young man who said, Jesus, I want to follow you and I want to inherit eternal life. And how can I do that? And Jesus said, well, obey all the commands. And, and the young man said, well, I've done that. And, and Jesus looked at him and said, okay, then you need to go sell your possessions and give the money to the poor and then you can come back and follow me. Now, it's very important to note, to my knowledge, this instance, and it was also documented in the book of Mark, but it's the only time that Jesus said to sell everything you own and give it to the poor. So don't misunderstand this scripture. Jesus is not saying that we all have to go sell everything and give away our money. Jesus is not opposed to our having nice things. He doesn't want nice things to have us, however. I mean, you, you see it. We've, we've read it already this morning that, that, that wealth is a gift from God. And so again, Jesus is not opposed to our having wealth. He just doesn't want wealth to have us. And that was the problem that Jesus saw in this young man's heart. Things had him. And, and again, this is the only person that we have record of Jesus saying this to. But, but he, see, he said, you need to sell your stuff. Give the money to the poor. Come and follow me. And, and the Bible says, this is tragic, the young man went away sad. Why? Because wealth had him in its grip. Well, the, the scripture following immediately after that story has become a famous scripture that we've all heard. And, and these are the words that Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, verse 24. This amazed them. You know, this poor man, or this rich man that walked away, this amazed them. But Jesus said again, dear children, it's very hard to get into the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And we don't have time to get into this, but this was actually a ge geographical place there in Israel. It was, they called it the eye of a needle, and it was very difficult for a, a camel to walk through there. But Jesus said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to make it to heaven. You know, which puts all of us here this morning at a tremendous spiritual disadvantage because we're rich. We have more than we need. And so we're rich. So good news is you're rich. 
But the bad news is also that you're rich. Now, let me quickly try to show you just three of the many spiritual disadvantages that we have as rich people. Remembering, we're all rich. The first challenge is this. It's harder for us to depend on God. And the reason is because most of us lack nothing. We lack a few wants, but we don't lack any needs. I mean, you go to a developing country and there's nothing but God to depend on. And, and Kenny, remember when you and I went to Cuba, and this was back some years ago when it was still closed and we couldn't fly directly from Miami to to Havana. We had to go through a third country and ask them not to stamp our passport lest we would lest we would be end up being put in jail. But there in, in, in that little service and... It, it, it just, I'll never forget this, the, the, the leader there of that little kind of a house church, he said, you know, at every service we gather together, we pray for healing because we have to depend on God. We don't have the medical care that you do. And so he said a very important segment of, of, of our worship service is, is just praying for the sick and praying for the needs Yet these people had a sense of peace and a sense of security. And, and it was almost like we became jealous of it. Remember um, when Jesus gave that model prayer to help us to know what to pray for. He said, we need to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Here's the reality. I've never had to sincerely pray that prayer for daily bread. Because even during those times when... When financially things have been tight in our home, we still had plenty of food in the house. I don't know what it means to have to pray for my daily bread. And so because of being rich and having more than what we need, it's harder for us to depend and to lean on God. And, and that's a tremendous spiritual disadvantage. The second thing is, as rich people, it's easy to be distracted away from true priorities. You know, w w one example here, if you're a follower of Christ, I think you would agree that the fellowship of believers, the worship of God in church is a true priority. I think you believe that, otherwise you wouldn't be here. Church doesn't save you, but it provides an atmosphere that, that helps keep you saved, helps, keep you, helps you to grow spiritually. But because of our rich people distractions, it makes us tough for us, as, as the Bible says, to keep assembling together in the name of Jesus. I mean, and, and I say this kindly, but some people barely get here once a month or once every two months or once a summer. Why? Because they have rich people opportunities. Allows them to go to their lake house during the summer or, or when football season rolls around. They get season tickets to the Chiefs, or maybe it's Branson all the time or wherever. And, or maybe the kids are involved in so many rich people activities. They can't even be part of our awesome kids program and youth programs that we have at the church. And, and then it's so frustrating to miss Rhonda. The ball games keep our kids from coming to VBS. That's a, something that we fight every year. And, and then tragically, some of our young people can't even break away to go to our youth camp, Harmony Hill Youth Camp, because of stuff and furthermore and we could even get so busy with our rich people distractions that we barely have time for dinner together as a family and we eat on the run and and then i was reviewing a study that i'd read some time back but um 
Studies show that families that take time to have meals together around the table on a consistent basis see kids that perform better academically in school as well. It lowers their risk of becoming addicted to alcohol and drugs. Those are studies that have shown that. But yet we still rush through life with our quote-unquote rich people opportunities, activities. And then our rich people distraction of devices, you know, smartphones and tablets, computers, etc. It's created a false sense that, that we're more connected with friends because, you know, we've got so many... Facebook followers, Twitter followers, whatever. While it's creating more friends and followers on Facebook, it's bringing about a terrible relational void in our lives. And so this same wealth that is good news because it can be a blessing, it's also bad news because it can be a curse and distract us away from the true priorities of life. The third thing as rich people is... We have a tremendous responsibility because of what God has given us. You know, Jesus said, to whom much is given, much will be required. And you need to understand that's speaking to you, and that's speaking to me, speaking to rich people, remember? Includes all of us. Much will be required from us. That's bad news. Because a lot of us, and this is, this is what convicts me, you know, we're using all of the wealth that we have on ourselves. Remember the first part of the scripture, we fail to go on. We use it to try to bring a higher level of personal enjoyment. We pamper ourselves. And we forget that God said in our foundational scripture, command those rich people to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and to be willing to share. Then they will lay up treasures for themselves and have the life that is truly life. That's what our scripture said. You know, it would be interesting for us this morning uh, to add up and categorize our expenses, go to our checkbooks. It'd be interesting to see where we spend the most money. You know, for example, how much are we spending on pleasure? You know, things like cell phones, cable, entertainment, outings, vacations, things to pamper ourselves. Those are all pleasure. None of those things is wrong. Don't leave here saying that. But what would happen if we would compare those amounts that we spend on pleasure to what we're giving to God and to what we're using to do good deeds for others? You know, I've told you before that some years ago, Faith and I made a decision that we wanted our number one expenditure to be to God. In other words, my goal every year is to make sure that my giving to the church exceeds all other categories of expenses. And I'm not going to say that I've always accomplished that. I'm not going to say that. But that's always our goal. I want my giving to God and my giving to the church to be my number one expense for the year. As we wrap things up this morning, as rich people, Let's not consume everything on ourselves. Let's invest in others. Let's give some of our resources away. I mean, let's help send missionaries to the field. Let's help single moms and single parents by maybe buying some clothes for their kids. Let's help needy people with, with a bag of groceries from time to time. Let's invest in children by foster parenting or adopting children. 
Let's be so full of generosity so that even people who do not serve Christ, they will be convinced by our love that there is a God. It's not because we're better. It's not because we're smarter. It's just that we've come to realize we're rich. We've been blessed by God. And I pray that God will help us to be a church full of rich people that are good at being rich at what matters most. Let's pray together. God, thanks for the good news. We are rich. You've blessed us way beyond measure. But Lord, it is sobering to understand that there also is the bad news. Because of our riches, Lord, we tend to rely on ourselves more. We, we, we tend to say, God, I've got this. I can handle this. And then, Lord, because of our country, just the whole push on pampering ourselves, it's easy for us to, to do stuff for our comfort when there are people that don't have those comforts. And so, God, God, I pray that you would help us to be rich in good deeds, rich in good works. And, Lord, I pray that over the next few weeks as we delve into this, that you would help us to have some lifestyle changes. God, I believe that you're still going to want us to make as much money as we can. There's a John Wesley that said, we need to make as much as we can. We need to save as much as we can, and we need to give as much as we can. And So God, I pray that you would help us to prioritize things. And God... Uh, I do know that there are some people here because of indebtedness. Maybe they've overspent or maybe they've had health issues or different things come. Lord, I do pray for them. Lord, I want, I want to just be very sensitive to those who are struggling and they don't know where they're going to be able to make the next payment for rent or for their house, or for their car. Lord, would you just come alongside of them? And God, as we go... For the next two or three weeks, as we study this matter, I pray that you would help us again to have lifestyle changes. Lord, in our riches that you've given us, in the blessings that you've given us, help us to understand what it means to be rich and what matters most. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do for us as a church. We love you. And we ask these favors in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And all of God's people said, Amen. You're dismissed. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.